My COVID Diary. My name is Andrea Hardacre and this is My COVID Diary. Like everybody else worldwide, I'm trying to get to grips with a whole new lifestyle during the corona pandemic and I decided to chart my journey here. March 27th, 2020. Today has been a giggle in the Hardacre household. As you can probably tell from my diary, I've had a lot on my mind. I worry about things and question things, and by the time I went to sleep last night, I felt like I'd just done six Munro's. I have to be honest, I've never done one Munro, never mind six. And as I write this, I'm actually hoping that a Munro is in fact a mountain, or at the very least a big hill in Scotland, and I haven't just made that up. The truth is, I'm highly unlikely to ever do a Munro. I can imagine I'd be really tired at the end of one. I woke at three o'clock, frightened and confused. The entire bed was shaking. I jumped up and ran to the window. I thought maybe there'd been some sort of tremor. I was trembling myself. I'd been dreaming. In my dream, I was in a strange house, asleep in the top bedroom. There was something in the attic something evil and it was pushing through the ceiling towards me and of course I couldn't move. Then I heard laughter, actual laughter, real laughter behind me in the bed that was still shaking. I turned round to see my other half crying, face almost purple with belly laughs. Then I heard my son joining in in the room next door. What the hell's going on? I said miffed. Paul couldn't speak for some time. Apparently, I'd let out a pathetically long whine in my sleep, which woke both him and Joe, and resulted in Joe texting Paul, and between them, they were in stitches. Very funny. Dreams like this happen a lot for me. Paul is used to it. I've never quite managed to wake the kids before, though. It took ages to get back to sleep. I was miffed at them both, especially as they carried on laughing for ages. But it didn't stop there. Joe was loving it when he got up and sent me a sound clip of a football commentator groaning. I'm hoping that I can actually put that sound here. Wait for it. This could be the most dramatic story of the season. It's Torres to give Chelsea When I told Paul, he went straight to the same clip. I felt bullied. When Beth woke, she was furious. She'd missed out on all the fun. But apparently, I'm not the only one having bad dreams. In the newspaper headlines today, there was a story about how people are developing cabin fever style dreams. According to a top psychologist, lack of stimulation is changing the way we sleep and dream. While it's nice to know I'm bang on trend, I have to say I've always been like this and I'm often the butt of jump jokes in my house. I've been married now for 20 years in May and there's hardly been a night gone by when my other half hasn't decided it would be fun to hide somewhere when I'm brushing my teeth. 
Sometimes he's at the bottom of the stairs with a torch shining on his scary mug. Others, he's just behind the bedroom door waiting to pounce. He's been known to cram himself into the airing cupboard or lie down on the floor at the side of my bed. This causes much laughter on his part when I squeal. It also results in me being too afraid to come out of the bathroom. Sometimes I stand there for ages, listening, trying to figure out where he is. I'll tell him to stop it. It really is annoying, especially if I'm tired. On some of those occasions, I'll discover he's actually still downstairs. But of course, that makes him laugh even more. Egypt. The slightest thing can make me jump. And I can rarely cope with horror movies. Paul and I went to see an extended version of Stephen King's The Shining a few years ago at the National Science and Media Museum in Bradford. Up until then, I'd only ever seen small clips of the film, as I couldn't handle that much tension in one sitting. But despite the fact that I'm a feardy, I somehow love being scared while hating it at the same time. I've always been like this, attracted to dark, scary novels and stories that can leave me utterly petrified. At the film museum, there's a lovely cafe area where you can order drinks to take in with you as you watch the film. We ordered a coffee and a cold drink. It was a long film, a couple of hours. Now, I forgot one vital thing when ordering those drinks. My bladder. Within the first half hour, I realised I needed to go. I still had plenty of cold drink left, but I'd polished off the coffee. Then I remembered that the toilets at the film theatre are in the basement. I shifted about in my seat a little and tried to think of something else and for some stupid reason carried on drinking. By the time the film was finished I could barely walk and forced Paul to come with me and stand outside the ladies. I look well dodgy doing that, he moaned. The things I make that poor man do. So all that said... I had a really fun evening later on. So much fun that although I made everyone else's tea, I forgot to eat mine. I joined a live creative writing class with The Book of Darkness and Light. This is a group I've been aware of for a while. They do live theatre with a storyteller relaying ghost stories and a fiddler behind them creating a bit of atmosphere. I was due to see them last year with a friend but she was sick and, yeah... I was too scared to go alone. I logged on at seven o'clock and got lost for an hour and a half. It was fantastic, listening to some short paragraphs from beautifully crafted ghost stories, then responding to some exercises with writing of my own. Adam, the facilitator, then read out some of the work written during the workshop, which was sent to him via direct message. There are some talented writers out there. My favourite was a girl whose last name was, wait for it, Coffin. What a brilliant name for a horror writer. One of the exercises required us to pick a phobia and write about it. Mine was catoptrophobia, the fear of mirrors. As I was writing, I I remembered a story I'd started a few years ago about a mother and her young children in Orkney. I'd been reading about different types of ghosts at the time and had come across one called Aganther. I've googled this many times since and can't find the original description, but it went along the lines of, if you saw an image of yourself running away, it was an omen of death. 
So I put my woman alone with postnatal depression on an island while her husband worked offshore. She was growing more and more paranoid after repeatedly seeing an image of herself and her children in the window of her house running away and disappearing into the har. Like most things I write, I gave up on it too soon. I really have to stop doing that. I might return to it now, so I'm going to leave you with part of it. The bedroom window was slightly ajar and I reached over to close it. But as I glanced up, I felt that same shiver of unease icing its way up my body. The sky wore an odd pallor, a sort of yellowy grey, which cast a skeletal shadow over the grounds of the house. It made the landscape look sickly, hollowed out by some terminal disease. I knew for certain that within the hour, a thick har would creep over the island, ensuring that all signs of civilization, houses, shops, roads, would fade into the background, their outline little more than a ghost against the horizon. Still, at least it would mask this feverish light. I shook myself, scoffing at the overactive imagination which harangued me whenever Sean wasn't around. I missed him badly when he was working offshore. Sure, his job managing two rigs off the northeast coast brought in a decent wage, but on days like this, his was the only face which could brighten the gloom. I slipped into the children's room. Esme was still fast asleep, the wisp of her yellow hair spread out across the pillow in soft, downy curls. To her left, Angus sprawled in his cot, thumb wedged firmly in his mouth. I should have been thankful for the early morning peace, yet this too unsettled me. They lay so still, not even stirring as I rearranged their bedclothes. But I wasn't ready to wake them. Better to settle myself before I was officially sucked into the day. A good breakfast would perk me up. Downstairs the air was bitter and I cursed at the dirty dishes which lay on the kitchen surface from the night before. The sight of dried ketchup and shriveled peas made me want to gag. The bin was already full so I hauled my coat over my dressing gown and stepped out into the morning air. A piercing breeze whipped straight through me and I had to pull my coat tight as I dashed to the wheelie bin. The wind began to whistle menacingly between its teeth and as I turned I heard a low growl coming from Rory's kennel. Usually he'd be bounding against the door by now, tail wagging, eager for a hug. But I couldn't even see him. I opened the kennel door and gasped. He was huddled in the corner and as I neared him he started shivering with fear. His bright red coat was wet and matted and he was whining softly. I reached out to comfort him but instead of bounding towards me he shot straight past, bolting into the mist. (coughs) 